Hello, this is Dr. Mike Barnett. I have had the blessing of serving as senior pastor and preaching God's Word verse by verse here at First Baptist Church of Ocean Springs for the last 22 years. I want to thank you for tuning in to our sermon podcast. While these messages are not meant to replace your involvement in a local church, I sincerely pray that they will be a blessing to you and your family. May God bless you as you seek Him with all your heart, soul, and mind. Thank you, Missy and April, and of course, my beloved. Tracy, and uh, it's rather unique in here today in this sanctuary. It's relatively empty, but I know you are in your homes, and I thank you for letting us in your home today to lead you in worship. It's kind of like must have been some of the time in the book of Acts, Jay, when persecution was hot and heavy upon the church, and they met in secret private places to worship, and so uh, we're so glad that that you've tuned in today, and uh, we're going to do our best to make it as uh, authentically gathered for worship as we can. So if you have your Bible handy there on your coffee table or there on your couch or in your chair, I invite you to turn with me to Acts the 26th chapter, beginning with verse Nine, and we're going to consider, continue to consider that question of why should you be saved? We know how somebody is saved by grace through faith, trusting Christ as Savior, repenting of their sin, and coming to Christ and calling upon Him and receiving His forgiveness and His saving mercy and grace and being filled with the Holy Spirit and walking the rest of your life in Christ and He in you. But the question today oftentimes is why should we be saved? Why? Well, what difference does it make? What, what difference? And we've been preaching on that. This is the third week. The first Sunday we talked about because God is offended. Second of all, because God is offering salvation to you in Christ. And third reason is, is He's the only offer. There's no other offer for the forgiveness of sin than Christ Jesus. And then last week in our sanctuary together, we asked why and discovered from Luke 16 there is a hell to avoid. Now next week, uh, Cole will preach in my stead, and the following week we'll continue on why and speak on the subject Why should you be saved? There is a heaven to gain. But today I want to talk to you about why should you be saved? Because you need a testimony to share. And my memory goes back years ago when I was just a college preacher. And I was being mentored by an older pastor, a seasoned pastor who taught me much. And he shared with me that when he first went to his church... He had his first deacons meeting with the men of his church. And he said he was excited and he was uh, ready to serve the Lord with those good men and, and lead the church and lead those good men into deacon ministry. 
And he sat down with them and he shared his testimony of when he was saved. And then he gestured to one of the deacons in the room and said, Would you share with me your testimony? And that man, he said, shared his testimony. And the next man shared his testimony in the next. And then he said they came to one older gentleman and the man just sat there stone-faced and said, I don't have a testimony, and I don't think I need one. And he said, my ministry got started off on a hard note because I knew I had a deacon in that church who had been a deacon for many years in that church who wasn't saved, who didn't know Christ as his Savior. Because unequivocally, the Bible teaches that if you are a Christian, if you're saved and know Jesus as your Savior, you have a testimony. And that testimony is centered around three seasons of your life. And I want to talk to you today about the content of your testimony, the seasons of your life. And if you're saved, all three of these seasons are yours, regardless of how old you are. You may be nine years old, you may be 90 years old, but these three seasons are all three yours. If you're not saved, you may be in season one. Or you might even be in season two. But for the most part, you you don't have Christ as your Savior. That's the truth. And so we turn to Acts chapter 26 and verse 9. And we read about the great Apostle Paul. And he's sharing his testimony. He was saved. The record of his salvation experience is is in Acts chapter 9. And you all know that Paul was a a Pharisee of the Pharisees. He was a persecutor of the church. He was uh, somebody who had a great hatred uh, for the gospel of Christ and his people, the church. And he did great harm. He hailed many of them to prison, saw that they were put to death, and uh, was very cruel and persecuted the church heavily. And you know the account. Uh, He was on the road to Damascus from Jerusalem with letters from the Sanhedrin to do great harm and persecute the church in Damascus. And on his way, the Lord Jesus showed up on the road to Damascus, blinded him and knocked him down, and he had an experience there where in, from which he would meet the Lord Jesus Christ, be saved, his life would be changed, and he would go on and become the great apostle, the apostle Paul, And give us much of the New Testament. Well, in Acts chapter 26, Paul is uh, later in his ministry, years later, years after. And he is um, giving his testimony uh, before King Agrippa and before uh, the governor Festus. He is about to be uh, sent to Rome because he has appealed to Caesar. He has been arrested and detained and and uh, put in prison by the, the Jews who hate him because he's sharing the gospel. They hate him with the same amount of hatred which he hated the church before he was saved. And he is giving his testimony before these Roman officials, and he shares those three seasons of life. He first of all talks about his life before Christ. He, then he talks about when he met Christ, And then he talks about his life in Christ. 
And so I want to share with you, you have those three seasons of life. And so what we're going to do is we're going to follow through with Acts chapter 26, beginning in verse 9, and we're going to talk about my life before Christ. So that is the first thing. Let's look at verse 9, and I want to share with you how Paul gave testimony to what his life was like before uh, he came to Christ, before he was saved. And so he, he starts out talking to King Agrippa, and he says, I verily thought within myself they ought, that I ought to do many, contrary, uh, many things contrary to the name of Jesus of Nazareth. So he basically says to, to King Agrippa, he says, King, my whole mindset in life back then was to be contrary to the name of Jesus Christ. Verse 10, which thing I also did in Jerusalem, and many of the saints did I shut up in prison, having received authority from the chief priest. And when they were put to death, I gave my voice against them. And I punished them often in every synagogue and compelled them to blaspheme and to and being exceedingly mad against them, I persecuted them even unto foreign cities. And so in those verses, he says, I was an enemy of Christ. I hated Christ, and I was an enemy of his church. He says, I hated the notion that people claimed that Jesus was the Messiah, and I hated God's people, the church. Maybe that's your life before you received Christ. You had an enmity towards Christ. You were contrary to him, and you didn't like his church. You hated his church. And that was Paul's life before he met Christ. All Christians have a life before they met Christ. And then we see in verse 12, Whereupon, as I went to Damascus with authority and commission from the chief priest, at midday, O king, I saw in the way a light from heaven above the brightness of the sun shining round about me and them who journeyed with me. And when we were all fallen to the earth, I heard a voice speaking unto me and saying in the Hebrew tongue, Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? It's hard for thee to kick against the goads. And I said, Who art thou, Lord? And he said, I am Jesus, whom thou persecutest. But rise and stand upon thy feet, but I have, for I have appeared unto thee for this purpose, to make thee a minister and a witness both of these things which thou hast seen, and of those things in which I will appear unto thee, delivering thee from the people uh, and from the Gentiles unto whom now I send you, to open their eyes and to turn them from darkness to light and from the power of Satan unto God, that they may receive forgiveness of sins and inheritance among them who are sanctified by faith that is in me. Whereupon, O King Agrippa, I was not disobedient unto the heavenly, unto the heavenly vision. And so while Paul in verses 9 through 12 tells us about his life before Christ, in these verses he tells us about his meeting with Christ. And if you're saved today, you had both. You had a life before Christ, and then you had a time when you met Christ. Now, there are about four parts to Paul's meeting with Christ, and there are four parts to your meeting with Christ. If you're saved, you met Christ, and these are the four ingredients of a meeting, of a saving meeting with Christ. Number one, there was a place where you met Christ. 
a literal, earthly, physical place where you met Christ. Paul met Jesus on the road to Damascus. He was going from Jerusalem to Damascus, and somewhere on that highway, he met Jesus. Jesus came to him. And so the first thing you have to have to meet Christ is a place where. I met Jesus in a little town in South Texas by the name of Alice, Texas. That's the place I met Jesus. I've been to that building a couple of times since those days uh, as an adult, since I moved away. I've been there. To, I took my son there on a tour one day of my life, and it still stands, and that city's still there where I met Jesus, a place where. Perhaps some of you met Jesus right here at this altar of First Baptist Church of Ocean Springs. Perhaps some of you met Jesus in a Sunday school room or in the activities building. Perhaps some of you met Jesus in the pew. Every year at Vacation Bible School, the day we share the gospel, we have kids come in and they want to be saved. And we have a group of our people and, and many of you involved in that, old Will Giger and Larry Gartman and others, they come every year to share the gospel with those young people and they find a corner of this sanctuary and in that pew, I'm looking at one now, looking at another now, and I've seen many kids receive Christ, meet Jesus at that exact place. Some of you met Jesus at youth camp. Some of you might have met Jesus at Proverbs with a pastor. Somewhere, someplace, you met Jesus. A place where. Second of all, if, you're gonna, if you have a meeting with Jesus, not only do you have a place where, but you have a time when. You have a time when. Paul had this encounter, meeting with Jesus on the road to Damascus at noontime. It was high noon when he met Jesus. I met Jesus March the 1st, 1971. I reckon it was about, all oh, 7.45 to 8 o'clock on a Monday evening because I was saved at a revival service on a Monday night in Alice, Texas at the First Baptist Church. And so I had a time when. Now, I didn't know that exact time until I was an adult and my mother passed away, and I received her Bible, and I opened the flyleaf of her Bible, and written in that Bible was, Mike was saved March 1st, 1971, First Baptist Church of Alice, Texas. And I found out later that it was during a revival service on a Monday night. And so that was my place where and my time when. Just like you were born physically in a place at a time, you have to be born again, and your testimony bears record to it. You have a place and a time when. You may not know and remember the exact time, may not be as precise as I can be, but you know there is a marked period of time in your life, a moment in time when your life changed. And then the third portion of meeting Christ is a message to hear. A message to hear. When old Paul got knocked off his high horse that day on the road to Damascus at noon, he heard a message. Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? Why are you persecuting me? Who are you, Lord? I am Jesus whom you are persecuting. 
And he says, I'm going to do a work in your life. I'm going to change your life right now. And you can repent of your sin, turn to me as Savior, and I'm going to use you in a totally different life. I'm going to change your life, and you're going to preach the gospel, my gospel, to the Gentile nations. So Paul heard a message. He heard the offer of Jesus Christ to be his Savior. He heard the invitation, the inviting message to repent of sin and turn to Christ and be saved. And it was a very, very, very persuasive message. Could Paul have resisted? I'm sure he could. But I want to tell you what, it was a persuasive message. And just like when the Holy Spirit speaks to you and spoke to you back then, it was very persuasive. That's why God would say to to Paul at that moment, it's hard for you to kick against the goads. We read that. Some people get confused about that. But what that means is, is that the Holy Spirit, Jesus, on the road to Damascus, was confronting Paul, giving him the opportunity to be saved, and the invitation and the message and the power of God was so strong It was more difficult for Paul to reject the message than it was for him to receive the message. Now, I want to tell you, every Sunday morning, every time the gospel is preached, every time, there are people who hear it and need to receive it and be saved, but they reject it. And I want you to know, because of the Word of God and the work of the Holy Spirit, it is very difficult for them to reject the message of the gospel, but they do do it. That's why the Lord would say to Paul, it's hard for you, difficult for you to kick against these goads. You see, before the Lord ever confronted Paul on the road to Damascus at high noon, at that place where in time when, and before he ever saw that bright light and heard that message inviting him to be saved, Paul had had his heart worked upon By the Spirit of God. You see, Paul had two things working on his heart. One, he had the Scriptures. He was a Pharisee of the Pharisees. He was a Jewish leader. And he had the Scriptures. He had the Old Testament ingrained in his mind. And the Old Testament points to Jesus. So he had the Scriptures. That's why at First Baptist, folks, we need to preach the Word of God. Always preach the Word of God. That's why we need to teach the Word of God in our classes. That's why the Word of God must be preeminent. The preaching must be preeminent. The teaching of God's Word must be preeminent. Our pulpit never needs to be on one side or the other, but in the center, because it is the power of the Word of God that will change people's lives. But another thing Paul had kicking that he could kick against, and it was hard to kick against, was Stephen's testimony. Cole, you remember Stephen's testimony. Stephen got out there preaching the gospel. And that good faithful deacon who had a testimony, by the way, he was preaching the gospel. And uh, oh, they got angry with him and they they started to stone him. And and Paul said, y'all go ahead and kill him. Let's stone him to death. I'll hold your cloaks. I'll hold your coats. And Paul held their clothes, their coats, as they wound up and stoned Stephen to death. And Stephen... Paul saw Stephen say, Lord, lay not this sin to their charge. Forgive them. And Stephen died with a note of glory uh, as he was stoned to death. 
That must have haunted old Paul to death. And that with the scriptures in his heart and mind that he had studied all his life pointing to Jesus. He said, it's hard for you to kick against those things. See, see, before you ever hear the message of the gospel, dear people who have a, a mission, before you will ever share the gospel with your mission, I want you to know the Holy Spirit will go before you and it will be very hard for that person to kick against the press that the Holy Spirit puts them in. And so there is a message to hear that's hard to resist. You can, but it's hard to resist. Paul heard that message, that invitation of the gospel. And then the fourth ingredient, the fourth ingredient of the coming to Christ, of meeting Christ, is a response. You have to respond to the invitation to be saved. You have to respond to the invitation to be saved. And then verse 19 tells us, Paul gives testimony. He says, O King Agrippa, Jesus came and knocked me down on the road to Damascus at high noon that day. And he says, O King, he gave me the message of what he wanted to do with my life. And he said, I was not disobedient unto the heavenly vision. I was not disobedient. I responded to the gospel call, and I was obedient. Do you remember when you responded to the gospel call? When the Holy Spirit took God's Word, and He planted it in your heart, and you realized you were a sinner, and you needed to be saved, and you just yielded and obeyed the Holy Spirit's urging to come to Christ, and you were saved. That's how you met Jesus. That's your encounter with Jesus that, that in, from which you were saved and in which you were saved. And then the third aspect of a testimony is you have my life in Christ. That's the third season of a Christian's life. It's the third ingredient of a testimony. My life before Christ. My meeting with Christ. And my life in Christ. After that, God begins to give a work, do a work in you. He indwells you. His Spirit indwells you. And you begin to be His child. And you begin to serve the Lord. And there's several things that begin to happen. First of all, I want you to know that when a Christian is saved, somebody helps them. When somebody is saved, somebody helps them. Many times, it's the very person who led you to Christ. Sometimes, it's somebody else. But the first thing you have with life in Christ is you have some help. Back in Acts chapter 9, when, Paul, when the historical record is given about Paul's salvation experience, about when he was saved, the Bible says that he was blinded and he just was kind of had a standstill. And in the meantime, God went to Damascus and spoke to a disciple by the name of Ananias. And God told Ananias, get up and go find this guy. His name is Saul. I've saved him, and I'm going to use him to be an apostle to the Gentiles. And I'm going to use him greatly. And Ananias kind of 
responded back to the Lord and said, Lord, I've heard about this fella. He's been pretty rough on the church. He's, he's uh, whooped up on us a few times, and, and I'm kind of I'm, I'm nervous about that. And he said, go on. He's my child. I'll take care of it. And Ananias went and helped him and doctored him up a little bit, baptized him and, and got him in the church there and baptized him and got him straight and helped him out. And then he hooked up with Barnabas, and then he hooked up with the other, uh, uh, other apostles, and then he got connected to the church at large, and Paul began to grow, and he began to mature in the faith, and God got him where he needed to be for a number of years before he would use him greatly. And so God gives you some help. God gives you some help. When I was saved, I remember I had, of course, my parents. My parents are godly people. My mother's in heaven, but my daddy's still living. They were a godly mom and daddy that helped my walk in the Lord and guided me. I had wonderful pastors who, who invested in me and Sunday school teachers and people in the church and, and uh, people that took uh, great care of me in my early days as a Christian. And I had some help. I had some help. And by the way, that's been over 50 years ago, and I want to tell you something. I'm still, I have some help with my walk in the Lord, and I hope I'm helping others. And so when you have a life in Christ, you have some help. You have some help. But also, you have a, a mission. You have a testimony to share. You have a witness. Notice what the Bible says in verse 20 of Acts 27. Paul says, I was obedient to the heavenly vision. I responded positively to the gospel but showed first unto them of Damascus and at Jerusalem and throughout all the borders of Judea and then to the Gentiles that they should repent and turn to God and do works fit for repentance. He said, ever since that day I was saved, I've been sharing with people what I was shared with, what somebody told me about, what Jesus did for me. For these causes the Jews caught me in the temple and went about to kill me. He says, I've had some hard times since I've been saved. It hadn't been easy. Having therefore obtained help from God, I continue unto this day. I hadn't quit witnessing both the small and great, saying no other things than those which the prophets and Moses did say should come. He says, I've just been true to the word of God all these years since I've been saved. That Christ should suffer and that he should be the first that should rise from the dead and should show light unto the people and to the Gentiles. So old Paul says, my life in Christ my life since receiving Christ has been one that has been helped, one that has been a witness, and continuing on with the old, old story, the same message, part of the church, sharing the gospel. Paul had a changed life. He used to persecute the church. Now he was building up the church. He used to have letters against the church. Now he wrote letters to the church. See, God changes your life when you become a Christian. You have a life in Christ. Now, I want to share with you just a few things before we're done here about sharing your testimony. About sharing your testimony. And so, I, I tell you what, you can do this one or two ways. You can do it later. You can write some notes so you remember to do this. This is the invitation, if you will, all right? This is the invitation. And so, uh, or you can pause it and go get you a piece of paper, a notebook paper, something to write on, or get your computer screen up or whatever. And I want you at the top of the line on that 
piece of paper or that computer screen, write out, my life before Christ. And then I want you to take just a few lines and give a general description of your life before you met Jesus as your Savior. And then I want you to come down and write meeting Christ. When you met Christ. And just in a brief paragraph, write down the circumstances in which you were saved. That moment you met Jesus. Who was involved? Who did God use in that? Where was it? When was it? How old were you? Uh, what, what were the circumstances? What were the providential circumstances? And then write that down and then come down later, just on that same page. Do it all in one page and write down my life in Christ, what Christ has done for you and done through you and done with you since you received Him as Savior. You see, every, every testimony, when you share it, has, one of the, has all three of those categories to it. That's the perfect essay of your testimony. Folks, I was raised in a Christian home. My mother and father were wonderful Christian people. Strong servants of the Lord. Many of you remind me of my parents, faithful to the church, encouraging to pastor your pastor, uh, loving and kind, wanting people to be saved, Christian people. And they had three children. I was the middle child. And uh, they raised us up in church. The doors were open. We were in church. And upon a day, I was just, I was very young. I was six years old. They brought me to, we went to a revival. We were having a revival. Back then we had revivals. And we went to a revival. And the evangelist's name was Homer Martinez. He had a famous brother named Angel. This was Angel's brother, Homer Martinez. And on that Monday night, he got up to preach. And I can remember looking up at my mom. And I said, I need to be saved. I need to be saved. I don't remember walking down the aisle, but I'm sure I did. And the pastor, his name was Joe Love. L-O-V-E, Joe Love. I remember meeting with him. And shoring up my salvation. And I can remember kneeling down and praying to receive Christ as Savior. And I remember when he baptized me. I was so little, so short as I am now, that I had to kind of stand on my tiptoes and raise my chin up so I wouldn't, the water wouldn't get in my nose in the baptistry. That's why I pick up children to this day. When I have them and I notice they're struggling a little bit, I pick them up so everybody can see them. And give him a little bit more comfort in the baptistry. And he baptized me. And I became a part of, of the church. Since that encounter with Jesus in that church house. I can remember in those early years. The conviction of the Holy Spirit. When I wasn't quite right. I remember one time I was playing with some buddies on the road, 
And we were up to some mis- mischievous stuff like boys will get into. And I can, I can remember standing in the middle of that road and the Holy Spirit convicting my heart about doing what we were doing and telling me that's wrong. You don't need to do that. And I can remember walking away. That's my earliest memory of the conviction of the Holy Spirit as a Christian. And beyond that, I remember growing in my love for the Word of God. And my love for the local church. And my desire to serve the Lord Jesus Christ. And I remember that. And now I can look back and I can look around and I see the many blessings that God has blessed me with. And, and my passions for what I want to do for the Lord Jesus Christ. And so you have a time before Christ. I knew I was a sinner. You say you were six years old. I want to tell you on that Monday night, sitting in those pews, responding to the word of God, I, I knew I was a sinner and needed to be saved. I knew that. And then I met Christ. And then Christ has sustained me all these years. So you write out your testimony. And let me share with you a couple of things before we go. When you um, begin to share your testimony with somebody, when you are about to share it with somebody with the intent on leading them to Jesus, Let me show you what Paul did as he stood before King Agrippa. Way back up in verse 9, he basically says to Agrippa, Agrippa, King Agrippa, I am here with the hope of my people Israel. I'm here with the hope of Jesus Christ. So when you start to share your testimony, you you do so starting with the hope that you have in Christ and with a positive note about Jesus and what he means to you and how he's blessed you. And then you start out, this was what it was without him, this is how I met him, and this is what it's been like since I met him. Now I want to encourage you, write out that testimony. That's the invitation for you to write out your testimony. And if you have children in your house, sit down in your living room. Maybe even right now, turn the TV off when we're done and sit down in the living room or wherever you are around your table, what have you. And mom and dad, share your testimony with your children. Don't let your children grow up in your house without knowing the circumstances of your salvation without knowing your testimony. If your children are grown and you've never done that, write out your testimony. Type it up real nice, one page, and send it to them in a Christmas card this Christmas. Or if they're coming home for Christmas, sit down and share it with them. This is when I was saved. And tell them about it. Give them your testimony. You don't want to die and go to heaven without your children knowing about your testimony and how you were saved. A few months ago, we had a gentleman pass away in our church, wonderful man, a great friend and supporter and encourager to me. 
And apparently I had encouraged this before somewhere down the line. And upon his death and his files and records, his daughter found his written out testimony. Pretty much this same outline I just gave you. And it blessed her and thrilled her to no end to have in her daddy's writing about how he met Jesus as Savior. What a blessing that must have been to her. And it is. She shared it with me, and it is a blessing. And so I want to encourage you in that. And if you do not have a testimony, if you do not have a time in your life before Christ, before Christ, and a time when you met Christ, and a life in Christ since you met Christ, then you're not saved. Let this be the point where you meet Jesus today and be saved. And come down and tell us, I've been saved. I need to follow through with baptism and become a member of the First Baptist Church of Ocean Springs. And grow here and serve here and be helped here. You do it for the glory of God. You do it for the glory of God. Let's pray.